Hello and welcome back to Great Takes from the Great Lakes, episode nine. Hopefully, the last episode with, uh, you know, this level of microphone quality. Um, we are going to start in the NFL as we have the last couple of weeks doing our power rankings, and I'm sorry to say this is our last week of the power rankings. Number five down to number one. If if of course you want to hear. Our previous ones, just go back, listen to the previous episodes. As I said, we started in the NFL the last couple of weeks, so it should be the first thing you hear. In the NBA, we've got Summer League, and there are all kinds of young kids lighting it up. It's the Summer League. We love it, watching the young kids play. Uh, over in the NHL, I'm sure it's uh, not the uh, most exciting time on the ice right now, but what's happening over there, Luke? Yeah, it's been pretty quiet, um, but there's one rumor that's interesting, and so Alex and I are going to talk about that one. But other than that, it's still pretty quiet. Hopefully, as we get closer to September rolling around, we'll kind of pick up a little bit, and we'll get more excited for next season. Over in the Diamond, we've got fireworks and cornfields. What's happening in the MLB, Alex? So, yes, we did uh, see a lot of cornfields at the Field of Dreams game. It's the first time Major League Baseball has ever had an event like that. We're going to be get into a bit of a recap of that and i will be going on my own spiel of why the blue jays will be in the playoffs this year um i hinted at i, I kind of talked about it a little bit uh last episode and we are really going to get into it this episode um i'm guaranteeing it this episode and i'm going to tell you all exactly why that is going to happen um and other than that it's august and that means playoff baseball is right around the corner we've got Alex with the guarantees back at it again. And I totally very, very, forgot. Uh, exactly very short you... retirement. Very short retirement. <laughs> I think this one was a couple of weeks. So uh, maybe your longest yet. Yeah. Yep. Definitely <laughs> the longest. Um, we'll have to go into K didn't score 23 like you guaranteed. Though, That's so you what I was about to boat. say. Yeah. Technically, since the last episode was recorded, we saw Pistons, uh, you know, Cade score in a Pistons uniform, which is maybe the greatest thing I've ever witnessed in my entire life. But he did he did not score 23, so I may have to pay the price there. Let's get into it. long-awaited and i'm sure much anticipated alex who you got at number five so starting off at number five i have the baltimore ravens obviously lamar jackson um mvp caliber quarterback uh, i think he's going to have to take a lot more of the weight on his shoulders i don't i think mark ingram's getting a bit older i don't think we're going to see as much production out of him as we have in past years uh he will have jk Dobbins. uh as a target of Marquise Brown, he'll have Mark Andrews, but I think other than that, he won't have uh, too many offensive weapons. So I think they're going to rely on him a lot. Um, defensively, though, they have like probably two of, if not two of, if not the two best uh, defensive backs in the entire NFL, in my opinion, and Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. Um, and so I think they're going to; those two will really solidify their defensive play. Um, I think we're going to see another playoff run out of the Ravens, but I don't think this is going to be as much uh, of a winning season as we've seen in the past because I don't think 
uh, Lamar has enough offensive options, but I do think we will see them go far. I guess I'll go next because I actually also have the Ravens at number five. Um, I kind of disagree a little bit, um, but I see where you're coming from because they added Sammy Watkins and Rashawn Bateman. Bateman, of course, in the draft. Uh, but it's a little it's a little over-under thing because Bateman's real young, probably won't have instant impact. Watkins is getting older, might not have I, any impact at all. I don't know, and I, I, I do hate to say this, but uh, I don't remember the last time Sammy Watkins is really like an outstanding receiver. I think he'll mm-hmm. really, I think he'll pick up a, a couple receptions here and there, but I don't know that he is like the key. I still think their wide receiver one, at least for me, is going to be Marquise Brown. Oh, of course. Um, and I just, I don't know that the two of them can get it done on their own. I think with like Lamar's, um, how do I put it? With how he's made as a quarterback, he's obviously a very mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so you don't see him passing a lot, but if he could have oh. more options, I think that team would be insane. I just don't think they have that right now. I, I do like the Bateman pickup a lot. I definitely see where you're coming from. It's kind of hit or miss, but it's, it's, and I get that it's a personal thing, but I do think that kind of helps put their passing attack over the top. I think both of them are guys that can kind of complement Hollywood Brown pretty well. And it, you you saw what was an electric offense last year, but Lamar Jackson, actually, the Ravens passing offense was dead last in the entire NFL, which you wouldn't know it because he actually threw pretty good completion numbers. I, it really was exactly what, Alex talked about was he didn't have enough downfield threats. I think this helps them. Uh, I got to agree. I don't think it quite, I said, puts them over the top as far as like a Super Bowl contender, but I think they're, I think it gets them kind of right on that list. Yeah. And another team kind of on that Super Bowl contending, but maybe not the favorites. Um, I've got the Seattle Seahawks at number five. We've already talked about it some last week with Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson having another year with DK Metcalf is just going to be so much better because Wilson's always got good chemistry with his receivers. He's a freak of nature. Can we just, <laughs> he really is. Can we acknowledge that for a second? The big, My I remember goodness. like two, like would have been like maybe yesterday or two days ago, uh, watching ESPN and that clip came up again of him chasing down. Uh, I think it was Buddha Baker yeah. of the Cardinals. Um, who, who does that? He's got some, when have we him. ever seen something like that before? Tyreek Hill. <laughs> But that's kind of Tyreek it. Hill put him on a list with Tyreek. Tyreek, he could DK Metcalf could probably bench Tyreek Hill <laughs> pretty that's easily. Fair. Yeah, the, the, he's got to work on the drops, but that's yeah. honestly like for a receiver that he's has some, good hands. But like, yeah, it it that's kind of the easiest thing to fix. It's it's most of the game when you're at that level, and it's I think that's a lot easier to fix. So that he's going to prove a lot. I I have to believe. Absolutely. I mean, Wilson's always been good. The The biggest question is going to be, I mean, he looked like an MVP candidate for the first six weeks or so, and then he really fell off. And so it's going to really come down to how Wilson plays throughout the entire year, because we know what Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are going to be able to go out there and get open and get those touchdowns. But it's a matter of Wilson having the time with offensive line and the ability to really get to it and stay consistent for the entire year. So I think they're going to be on that cusp of Super Bowl you know, champions or Super Bowl contenders, but they're not quite there. Yeah, and uh, rolling into number four, I have the Buffalo Bills. Uh, obviously, we've seen Josh Allen do some great work. Uh, he'll still have his go-to target and Stefan Diggs. Uh, he'll also have uh, my man Cole Beasley. Uh, 
locking down uh, the passing offense for the Bills. Uh, I do think this is one of the better uh, all-around rosters in the NFL. Um, obviously, defensively, they have still uh, Mario uh, Addison, they have Ed Oliver, Jerry Hughes, uh, Tredavious White, Micah Hyde, uh, just some very, very talented names on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and I think Josh Allen, Josh Allen has proven himself already to be that franchise quarterback in a very short amount of time. And I think it's only going to go up from here. So I do think this is the Bills' uh, year to take it if they can. Uh, I think this is going to be uh, a pretty easy year uh, in terms of division play for them. Uh, and it's just about getting past those big names in the playoffs. So got to start with the fact that Luke, I've got the Seahawks down at 10. So um, I don't know if they're quite that good yet. Yeah, I, 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 had at a, I had him at eight. Um, I think we're going to see, see more consistent Wilson. I think that's going to be the biggest thing because he really fell off at, towards the end I of last year. The, I think that's the only way they get up to number five. Yeah, He's, he's, he's been that team's X factor for mm-hmm. five, six years now. So it's, it's, it, I think they kind of ride on his success. So mm-hmm. even yeah. with Metcalf, with the, you know, whatever weapons they have, it's going to rely on, he, it's going to be him or nothing. Absolutely. I mean, with Jamal, Jamal Adams in the, uh, with a full year of practicing with that defense as well, because he just was traded just last year, and he played well. He had a bunch of sacks. He didn't have any interceptions, but he's really good at just getting the pass rush and just getting to the quarterback, and that's what the Seahawks have always been known for is just sacking quarterbacks, getting opportunities again for Wilson, and Wilson capitalizing on them. I got to say, I love the fact that we're talking about a guy that is in the MVP conversation. And yet, is somehow an X factor. It, it's true, but it, it's crazy to to think about. Like, it doesn't. They, when you think it, it doesn't. Consistent. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like it adds up at all. But it, it's true, like you said. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, at number four, I have the Cleveland Browns, and I've said this before. I I believe on the air, uh, they are one of, if not the only, Ohio team that I have no animosity against. For whatever reason, <laughs> I, I think, think I'm I the think same what it way. Is. I think I'm the same way. <laughs> it cancels. It cancels out because um, the obviously the team you know kind of burned away the stigma like that the Browns had uh, in the last couple of years, led by of course Baker Mayfield. And the, the, the second that he planted that flag in OSU. I just I knew I had to love him forever. Um, leading a Cleveland team is not exactly where I, you know, would have liked him to end up. Uh, but regardless, uh, you're adding OBJ, who was of course injured for most of the year last year. Um, you know, I think it's going to give this offense just yet another way to run up the score on your favorite team. Um, I think Nick Nick Chubb's going to be, and not to cut you off, but I think Nick Chubb is going to be one of the best running backs in the league this year, if not the best. I think this is his year to break out. Not to cut you I don't off. Know about the I, best, I, 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 had, I have a I hard time keeping him out of the top five right now. No, you're good. Fair enough. Um, they do need con- like to be consistent uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I think that was kind of an issue. Was it, they played great at times, then other times not so much. Um, but, of course, they grabbed their first playoff W since 94, and I think they just keep it rolling from there. I think I think uh, we're going to see a deep AFC run from the Browns. Of course, that's not the uh, the hottest take in the world. 
Yeah, number four, I've got the Green Bay Packers. Um, I think they're going to be good. We've already talked about Aaron Rodgers coming back. They've got a good core around him. Um, with Their running backs are good with Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. They've got a good tight end in Robert Tunyon. Uh, Devontae Adams obviously is back. Randall Cobb is back, which honestly, I forgot he was in the league once he left Green Bay. I had no idea where he was, but now he's back with Green Bay. It just feels right seeing all those guys back in those Packers uniforms. And obviously, we've talked about Jair Alexander on the defensive end. They've got a really good, he's a star cornerback. And I think they're going to go far. They're probably going to be in, you know, the division championship. But they're, I mean, their plan is one last dance. They really need to go for one last chance with Rodgers and the whole crew. So, I mean, they've got Super Bowl aspirations. Rolling into number three, uh, I think this is going to shock our listeners. But uh, this is going to be my, I think, my NFL take of the year. I have the Kansas City Chiefs number three. Um, on my list, what? Not not one or two. I'm um, I'm not sorry. I cut you off. Number three. <laughs> Come on, yes. I, I need this. Expl- I'll let you. I need this explain now, a little bit. Now I think they. The big thing I think with them, and I think one of the reasons that I don't think they were Super Bowl champions, uh, was their offensive line. Um, I think they had a lot of struggles. Uh, I think there were a lot of struggles to protect Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they were, they already released two of the starting linemen due to injury and ended up trading for Orlando Brown to solidify that left tackle spot, which I think was a good move. Um, they drafted Creed uh, Humphrey, a center so they're, uh, out of Oklahoma. So they're trying to rebuild their offensive line. However, I don't think um, – and I guess this isn't something as uh, – there isn't really too much fact to back this, unfortunately, but I think there are teams that are going to be more hungry and dedicated to winning a Super Bowl than this team is this year. I don't think back-to-back Super Bowl appearances is going to make a team as ready to uh, as ready to go back. I think as talented as Patrick Mahomes is, there's one I want to say it was proven that Patrick Mahomes is not the goat yet. It's still Tom Brady. It will be Tom Brady for a very long time. I just want that out there before I go any further. But, and yes, they will obviously dominate the AFC West. I think they will have no issue doing that. But I think there are going to be teams that are putting, making them a target. And I think, I don't know how they're going to take that well, because I think they, they've seen the glory show. I think there's still teams that haven't seen the glory show. And that is why I have, who I have at number two is above them, who will be taking the AFC this year. And I will get into that as soon as Christian tells me who his number three team is. You're, you're insane. I really, I, <laughs> yeah. I think that's yeah. wild. Hey, we'll see. I'll, I'll I, I can't even argue with you because there's nothing I can say. I mean, I, all right. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Um, I got the Bills at number three. Um, Alex did a great job talking about the Bills earlier. They really are just, I think he said it, a complete team on both sides of the balls. Both sides of the ball. Um, An incredible D-line, of course, some of the best corners in the game. A great set of safeties. Um, They added Emmanuel Sanders, actually, which I think kind of like a dark horse, low-key pickup that's really going to help them, of course, add to an already hot offense. Josh Allen got the bag, and I mean, what is there more to say? He 
I think he's going to lead this team. I think he's going to take that next step. I think it's kind of a um, a Russell Wilson type situation, like we were talking about earlier, where he's, you know, so incredible and so talented. And, of course, the best player on the team, yet he is somehow also their X factor. I think more so with Allen because he's young and he still does, you know, sometimes make kind of boneheaded mistakes or not the greatest pass selection downfield. Um, but I, I think he, just another year, gets him more experience and, um, you know, a leveler head. I think they're at number three. Buffalo I've, Bills, baby. I've got the same thing. I've got the Bills at number three. I think exactly what both of you guys have already said. Josh Allen, I think, is going to take another leap. I think if it's not Rodgers or Wilson winning MVP, I think it's going to be Josh Allen. I think he's going to really have a fantastic year. We've already talked about how good Stephon Diggs was last year. Another year of chemistry and growing together is only going to make them better. They've got Devin Singletary in the backfield. He played really well last year. They've got a complete team. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch, and I would not be surprised to see them in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and this is uh, this is gonna this will help me explain why the Chiefs were number three because at number two, I have our favorite Ohio team, the Cleveland Browns, and here's why. Everybody has been talking about offensively with Baker, OBJ, Jarvis Landry. Uh, I have to shout out Donovan Peoples-Jones. I know, Christian, you may think I'm saying right now, but I am going to shout out DPJ, our Michigan boy. Um, I want to talk about the Browns defensively. They are getting Greedy Williams back, who missed all of 2020 with a shoulder injury to lock down uh, their secondary. They have Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett as their edge rushers. Two extremely talented, extremely talented edge rushers. They have Mac Wilson to kind of lock down their uh, linebacking core, who was a fifth overall pick, in the, or a fifth round pick of the 2019 draft. Um, he was their most outstanding rookie during training camp two years ago, which I know might uh, might not mean a lot now, but he also has gotten a lot a lot, or at least in my opinion, enough experience for someone who was taken in the fifth round as a defensive player to grow. And th- I think this is going to be his year to shine. This is going to be his year to lock down their linebacking core. I think they have Greedy Williams and Greg Newsom too. And Denzel Ward, that's another name I forgot to drop. Denzel Ward is also in their uh, secondary to lock that down. They are just so solid on both sides of the ball. And the they, when was the last time that the Browns won a championship? Can either of you tell me? Long time. Exactly. Long time ago. Because it wasn't a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they have yet to win a Super Bowl. They've had playoff chances. And they have had they have yet to even appear in a Super Bowl. If there's any if there's ever been any team that's going to take them to a Super Bowl, it's this one. And I think they're hungry. I think the town of Cleveland is ready for this. And that's why the Browns are my number two over the Kansas City Chiefs. I think, yes, we saw two very dominant years where Patrick Mahomes was the name in professional football. I still think he is one of the greatest players to ever play. But I think this is the Browns year. And that's why I have that number two. If you're listening to this, go on our Instagram and comment and tell me why I'm wrong. And we can have this discussion all day long. If you side with Christian, let him know. Let me know. And I'm more than willing to have this discussion more at length. But this is one of the most solid teams 
Well, it's, I think it's the most solid team Cleveland's ever had, and I think it's one of the most solid teams to ever see a football field, and that's why the Browns are number two. I, I love all of this. Two things. One, it's a team from Ohio. I can never pick them to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> number two, I, I, as you didn't say anything wrong, actually. This team is so solid, like the Bills, so complete on both sides of the ball but I just don't think that makes Baker Mayfield an MVP candidate all of a sudden. Um, but I got, I got Kansas city. I mean, um, I'm pretty sure they also, and I forgot to mention, they have like two or three different pro bowlers on their offensive line. True. True. I think I forgot to mention that too. Like I, I don't, I don't know what else there is to say. I it really it. does. It really does start in the trenches. Um, I want to hear you guys actually in the Instagram comments because Holy crap. I, I think Alex is so wrong, uh, but I've got Kansas City at two. I'm a little bit in shock here. Um, I thought it would all be we'd all just have Tampa Bay and Kansas City in our top two. Um, I really think you know. Obviously, the one thing they they were missing was an offensive line. They they signed this offseason Joe Thune, Austin Blythe, Kyle Long, traded for Orlando Brown. Oh yeah, just just a reminder. They also uh, went in the draft, picked up free. Come on, that's so much protect. That doesn't suddenly make it a perfect unit, but I think he's going to have quality pass protection once again. Of course, you got to remember it was just in the playoffs uh, that that really broke down. Um, but obviously, Eric Fisher tore his Achilles. But I, I think this is Super Bowl team once again. I think all you add in a year with Patrick Mahomes in the off season is just more talent and more knowledge about the game, adding to that talent and working with this team. Of course he has, you know, so many weapons. I think they're going back to the Super Bowl. I really do. Yeah. Number two, I've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I think obviously they've returned all of their starters on both sides. They got everybody back. Shaq Barrett was a big one for them to keep. Um, and yeah, I mean, we know what Tom Brady's going to bring. He's always going to bring it. He's going to win those last couple of games, you know, when it really comes down to it. But I don't know. Maybe this is just me as a Colts fan hoping that they don't that he doesn't win another one. So I'm hope, hoping that he sticks around at number two and somebody else can beat him. And well, <laughs> kind of a great segue into my number one, which happens to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming fresh off of a Super Bowl win last year. Uh, Tom Brady proving time and time again that he is the greatest quarterback to ever play in this league. Uh, and I just want to read this to you guys. Every starter returning, which the Buccaneers have, has never happened during the salary cap era, which started in 1994. It has only happened two other times in pro football history. The 1977 Oakland Raiders did, uh, had every starter return, made the AFC Championship the next year. In 1980, the Pittsburgh Steelers returned all 22 starters from the 1979 Week 1 roster and won back-to-back Super Bowls. I think I think things are looking pretty good. Also, I pulled that from ProFootballNetwork.com. Uh, that was not my own thing. I just want to give, uh, give some credit where credit was due. But I think if there's any statistic that it is going, that's going to take this team somewhere, it's that one. They're taking the Super Bowl over the Browns. So... I also have Tampa Bay at number one, and I know we really like to throw the ESPN stats at you, and that was actually great. I love that stat. 
I love me ESPN stats, of course, um, all the like crazy intricacies. But it really, obviously, or they're returning 22 starters. There are a lot of physical, like objective reasons I believe this team is going to the Super Bowl again and winning the Super Bowl again. But there, there is nothing other than you just can't bet against Tom Brady. I mean, you were, I, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but we, we all kind of made picks prior to that Super Bowl. And I picked Kansas City. I was wrong. And I believe it was Luke that told me, you can never bet against Tom Brady. And I said, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I'm going to not make that mistake two times in a row. Tom Terrific, the Michigan man, is going to pick up yet another ring. I really do believe it. And I think the uh, Chiefs are coming in number one for me. I think, Alex, you talked about it well when you were talking about number three, where it's hard for a team that you know has gone to back-to-back Super Bowls to be hungry. But I think that loss really actually makes them hungry, especially Patrick Mahomes. We've seen some of the quotes from him being really frustrated that they didn't even get in the end zone during the entire game. And I think Mahomes is going to come back with a new fire that really just lights up the entire league and will lead them. I wouldn't be surprised if they're, you know, 14 and three or 15 and two, you know, regular season, just incredible. And then they just tear it up in the postseason like they have almost every year since Mahomes has been here. Yeah, I, I think I see what you're saying, and obviously I know the Browns' take is a very, uh, in, in a lot of people's eyes, a very cold take, but I think the big point of me making that take is, I think if there's any year that the Browns are going to be able to take it, it's take it, it's this year. I think they're finally going to have all of the guys they want healthy to be healthy and their actual starters to be there. So I'm set, my point having them at number two is they, I think they know that this is their year to take it. Um, it's a big showing year for them. It's a big prove-it year. And that's why I have that number two, because I think the Browns, the city of Cleveland has been so hungry for a Super Bowl for, I mean, since the Super Bowl era started, uh, haven't made it there yet. And I think that, I know that's why they're going to take it. You know what? I kind of would like to see it as much as, as much as they're Cleveland. uh, It'd be very cool to see, uh, especially because it gives it, I don't know about you guys, but as a Lions fan, it has to give you a little bit of hope that they turned it around so quickly that they rebuilt rebuilt what was a horrible franchise and had such a horrible stigma around it and nobody wanted to go there nobody wanted to be there nobody wanted to play there and all of a sudden they are very close to an afc championship last year and by all means have a shot at one this year uh good for cleveland and over in the NBA, we've got Summer League Ball, baby. I know this is where kind of a lot of people don't care. And I guess rightly so, if you're going to like not watch, you know, one set of five games across the whole season, I think it's the Summer League you got to miss out on if you had to choose. But personally, I'm just a huge Summer League guy just because it's kind of like, it, I don't know, maybe it's more of a, Kay didn't score 23. Kay did not score 23. Uh, Kay Cunningham. You stooped to my level. Allegedly. Allegedly scored less than 23 points. Allegedly. Allegedly. I can neither confirm nor deny this without the presence of my attorney. I mean, I'll I'll confirm it right now if you want me to. (laughs) I can go pull up the box score if you really need me to. I, I will say, I did own up this a little bit. I posted it. I posted the reel of me saying it. Uh, on Instagram, <laughs> along with a, a little highlight reel of Cade not scoring 23 points. Um, but despite that, uh, he only played in three games. 
uh, because our last regular one was on a back-to-back. And, I mean, why try to injure our first pick so quickly? We can do that later. Um, Cade got his average up to 18.5. He shot, guess what, 50% on the three ball. And I'm going to – we kind of worked out – I guess Luke mostly worked out what was like kind of a summer league first team, so to speak. And I'm going to lead Cade off of mine just because I think that's a little bit too much bias. And Lord knows we're going to talk a ton about him in Michigan Madness. But I'm itching to hear this uh, this first team you got, Luke. Yeah, so this first team, I kind of went through all, you know, they were all rookies. I didn't want to, you know, include the t- second or third year guys that have just been around for a while because they always light it up because they know what they're doing. They're, you know, they've been around NBA talents. You've seen people really make a huge jump in second year. Um, so starting number one, I think everybody's number one is Cam Thomas, who has been lighting it up. In his four games he's played, he had is averaging 27 points on 42% from the field and 36% from three. And I don't think anybody expected Cam Thomas to be the leading scorer in summer league. He's just been incredible. He's lighting it up. And I think he's showing that he's going to be a really good basketball player. Uh, number two, I've got John Conchar, who is a six foot five shooting guard. In the top five in rebounds per game, averaging 12 rebounds a game. And that's more than players like Jalen Johnson, Isaiah Jackson. 12 boards? 12 boards a game. Six foot five. Six foot five. And he looks like he's going to be a good bench unit. Um, Number three, I've got a little bias coming in, but Chris Duarte is an absolute bucket. Just a tad bias. Just a tad of bias. He is a bucket, bucket. though. Oh, my God. Walking bucket. His bag really is infinite. Some of his step backs look nasty. He doesn't have any separation, but he's got that kind of Chris Middleton gene that we've kind of talked about earlier where it's just, it, it's, it should be a bad shot, but it just goes in every time. And he ended up with averaging 18 points a game, four assists, four rebounds, 1.8 blocks, and 2.3 steals, just filling it up. Some of his blocks were absolutely insane, especially on Obi Toppin in his first game. He volleyball swatted it basically out of the gym. He just, he looks incredible. And obviously he's a 24-year-old, you know, he's supposed to be NBA ready, and he's really showing that he's NBA ready. Uh, number four, I've got Sharif Cooper, who was a really, everybody was surprised when he fell so low. He's picked number 48 to the Atlanta Hawks, much lower than everybody was expecting. Um, but he's been averaging 17 points and nine assists, which I was stunned that he was averaging nine assists, but he's been playing really well. He has been averaging six turnovers, but you're okay with that. You can live with that. At Summer League, the wins don't really matter. It's just experience, and he looks good. I'm I'm not gonna lie, I expected it because holy! Wait, I just talked about what was a horrible take by me. But go back to the um, the IG draft live that Tunnel Vision did. I wanted him. It didn't make. It doesn't make any sense for him to be a piston now. It didn't make any sense for the Pistons to pick him up then. But I would just delusionally wanted him to be when there was that like 45 seconds or so where Woj tweeted an accidental bomb that the Pistons had traded up into the first round. And it was like, oh, no, no, it was in L.A. And I was like, okay. Well, I I got you know my hopes up again just for a little bit. But Woj, Woj really just Woj just said, no, no, no. He, he, got, he took you to here, and then he threw you all the way back there. I Especially because I had called that we would trade up to the first round. And, of course, I had to be wrong, but I had to, he had to make sure I knew I was wrong. Um, but Sharif Cooper is balling out and I, I am here for it, but at the same time, he's not a piston. Not only that, he's doing it for the Hawks. So I'm absolutely not here for it, but 
I that's just he's the perfect piece for the Hawks to add. He really is. He looks fantastic. And last but certainly not least, another Hawks player is Jalen Johnson, who's been averaging nineteen and nine and a half rebounds. He people will talk about the NBA ready bodies, you know, Scotty Barnes, Jonathan Kaminga, but Jalen Johnson looks ready to mess around with any of the big mans, any of the wings. He's six foot nine. He can play as a small ball five, small ball four. You know, he can play as a three. He moves really well. His rebounding has been really good. And I think that was a great pickup by the Hawks. And the Hawks look really, really ready to go after appearing in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're revamped and ready to go. The fact that he can play three through five, and I am totally with you, the fact that he actually can play three through five is a little crazy. I don't have, like, my own first team because I think Summer League has this thing where it's only four games. Or this year, at least, it's only four games. And some of these guys only played in three or some only played in two, where it's kind of hard to work on averages where, um, you know, one crazy performance or one really bad performance can make you look worse than you really played. But I'm just going to throw a couple guys in there. Desmond Bain shot almost 70% from three. 70%. That's higher than Cade Cunningham <laughs> uh, on six and a half attempts. Who? Who's I, that I, I don't know. Just some guy. Um, <laughs> Paul Reed for the Sixers. It, it kind of stinks because the last thing they need right now is centers, especially after adding Drummond. But he dropped the other night. Get this: twenty-seven points, twenty rebounds, four steals, four blocks in the same game. That is absolutely wild. I, to be honest, when I saw that post, I thought it was one of those things where it was like a graphic on Instagram and in, in, the, in the corner they hide across two games or like across his three summer league games. But that really was all in one game. I mean, good for him. We've, I've got some underrated guys. Of course, I watched all the Pistons games that, you know, played really well for the Pistons um, that I wasn't expecting to. But, you know, good for these guys. They really are balling out and. It's so much fun to watch the summer league because they're all playing, not just for like, oh man, you know, I'll hit my like half a million dollar bonus or whatever, or, oh, I can like boost my averages or get a little bit more playing time. This is where a lot of these guys' careers are made or broken. They can earn like Luca Garza did. I'm giving away who I'm going to talk about, but earning a two-way contract literally solely off of his play in the summer league. Um, Obi Toppin is going to earn a ton more minutes because he can show he can actually shoot the three ball now. Bull proving he can do this, not just in like scrimmages and stuff, but in real live play, average 21 points. Patty Williams, another second year guy balling out. Max Struss earned himself what was a two-way contract before, but now will be real playing time. You just love to see these guys that are giving it their all and have what is honestly the perfect scenario, the perfect kind of platform to, to ball out on. Absolutely. And it's good to see even the players like the Cade Cunninghams, the Jalen Greens, the, the high-end guys that they would be, nobody would be upset at them if they decided to skip out on summer league. You know, everybody knows their NBA ready talents. They're going to be good enough. You know, the teams wouldn't have been upset. They'd be, Oh, he has an ankle injury. Let's just sit him out or something like that. But they go out there and they were going for it, especially those two. Like seeing that matchup with them going head to head, they were matched up on each other. They're defending each other. It's just fun to see. I mean, they're playing 
like this is one of the most beautiful brands of basketball just because there's not a lot of flopping it's more about like it's honest basketball people are playing for their careers it's just it's always fun to see i always enjoy it it's it's always short because you know it's only four games especially this year but it's just fun to see these players that you won't always see all the time really go out there and really explode and you just see how good the nba actually is i mean we've said it enough already but summer league love baby it I, it's hard to explain just how much like joy this brings me, especially as a Pistons fan, where you can find diamonds in the rough because your whole team is rough. And I just, I just genuinely enjoy me some summer league ball. Fortunately, we don't get like any sort of uh, any type of summer league for hockey. We're kind of in a look. We're kind of in a dead spot right now. Yeah, it's pretty dead, honestly. It would be fun to see like a, almost a summer league version of of hockey. That'd be a lot of fun to see. I definitely watch that. Yeah. Let's start exactly. it up. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to the commissioners. We'll see yeah, what we Luke, do. Luke, uh, we'll call your boy Gary Batman. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's get this yeah, rolling. I got him on speed dial. Let's see what I can do. <laughs> but the biggest news, and this is obviously at this point, it's just all rumors, but the biggest news this week that I saw was Vladimir Tarasenko's rumor to the New York Islanders. Um, the biggest reason that I've seen him rumor to the Islanders is their GM really likes uh, Tarasenko. Obviously, he's a good player. He's older. He has a really long contract. But, I mean, he's, it, you can't pay. Like, goal scorers are so hard to come by. And when you get a good one, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to turn you know turn him down. But, obviously, he's not happy with St. Louis. He might want out. But, Alex, is a resident Islanders fan, what are your thoughts on Tarasenko to the Islanders? So we had talked a little bit, uh, it was either our last episode or two episodes both, uh, ago, uh, about how we were kind of surprised they hadn't re-signed Paul Mieri. Uh, they'd lost Jordan Ever- uh, Everly, Edelman, Jordan Ever- uh, Everly, oh boy, to you got the there Seattle Frack. They lost him to the Seattle Kraken, um, so we were kind of surprised we hadn't seen them re-sign Paul Mieri, uh, along with a number, uh, number of other forwards. And in thinking about it, this very well uh, could have been why they could have been looking to take uh, Tarasenko uh, away from the Blues. Um, I think if it's if it's the right fit, it's the right fit. I know, obviously, as we know, uh, Tarasenko wants out of St. Louis. Um, and I think Palmieri, uh, obviously, he's getting a, a bit older. Uh, I think his legs are going to start to slow down soon. And so I think Tarasenko, not that Tarasenko is extremely young, but I think that he could be... Um, a key spot in making another playoff run uh, if they're going to let go so many of these different players. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how I didn't, I'm kind of sad that I didn't see this coming with how much we talked about uh, our shock and they hadn't re-signed so many of these guys. Um, I kind of think I should have saw that coming as, oh, they're probably looking to get Tarasenko or looking to trade for someone else. It's uh, a big name, but yeah, um, other than that, I think if it if it ends up happening, I think it'll be a good move for the Islanders. Um, I think obviously they will. Um, it'll be a big name to hopefully lead that team uh, to another playoff run. Luke, what do you think? I like it, and especially you know the biggest reason the Blues went out, you know, want to let go of him is contract. He's owed eight million um, over the next several years, and the Islanders can take that salary cap. They've got projected 11 million in salary cap space as of right now. The salary cap stayed the same uh, because of the pandemic last year. And for those of you that don't know, the salary cap is 80 million, which is much lower than the NBA and other salary caps. So the is money, really 80 million, 80 million. So the money is Holy so God. different. 
like going from NBA, especially this year with the free agencies happening almost at the same time, seeing some of the differences between the two contracts was wild. You sign Chris Paul, that is literally half your payroll. Exactly. And you sign Josh Allen, that's like, or Patrick Mahomes, like you're you're on the street, like there's <laughs> nothing. You, you, have to, is... you have to pick up like us three to fill out the roster. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've, I'm, I mean, I know I've skated before, but I, I could imagine that uh, not too good with the whole stick handling thing. So <laughs> I can physically skate, like physically move. That's all I can do. <laughs> we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Exactly. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll be all right. Stanley Cup contenders automatically. Oh, 100%. But yeah, I, I really 100%. like the, the Tarasenko fit with the Islanders. I think he'd fit in really well. He'd be a fun, fun guy with them. And they're so good. We've talked about it all of last year during the playoffs. They're really good at just being opportune with their goals. And Tarasenko is a goal getter. He will go out and just score at any point. And I think he'd fit in really well there. He'd have to buy in, obviously. But, I mean, it, who? what better coach than Barry Trotz to really get a player to buy in? Yeah. I don't know. I was exactly right. He's, uh, he's shown that he can take a team somewhere. Um, I think it's uh, – people, re- I think, really underestimated the Islanders going in to the um, – playoffs uh i mean they took tampa bay further than montreal did and montreal was in the, Stanley Cup play, or in the finals uh and though i think this could be like the key addition that they need um and if if barry trotz is about him if their gm is about him then i think it should be the right pickup and i think we'll see uh another island run if this happens um but i do want to say uh moving quickly into another sport in new york we saw the yankees and the white Sox. Uh, playing in what uh, the MLB did was they recreated the field from the Field of Dreams movie. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen uh, the movie starring Kevin Costner about building a baseball diamond on a farm where he had no money uh, and imagining players coming to the stadium. Uh, it's a great movie. Uh, 10 out of 10, I would highly recommend any baseball fan or sports fan in general, go watch it if you haven't. Um and this was the first ever uh, what they want to do is an annual uh, Field of Dreams game in Iowa, uh, literally in the cornfields. You got to see the players uh, walk through the cornfields to enter the game, uh, which is straight from the movie, which was awesome. And it could not have had more of a fairy tale ending with Tim Anderson walking it off in a 9-8 victory for the White Sox. Um, again, two teams that have been uh, doing the White Sox have been killing it, uh, unfortunately, for Tigers fans. Uh, are still leading the AL Central. Uh, the Yankees are actually um, in third place still, believe it or not, um, in the AL East, uh, which has been a very you know, competitive division. And um, so these were obviously two very competitive, very good ball clubs. You got to see both of them in their throwback uniforms. Um, and it was really just an all-around great game. It was a very, um, it was a very sentimental game. Uh, There's a lot of sentimental value, uh, especially for uh, fans of the movie and even for Kevin Costner, who spoke before the game uh, and got a, his own personal tour uh, of the field. And so uh, for baseball fans everywhere and for movie fans everywhere, this was really uh, a special game uh, and something I'm really glad that uh, Major League Baseball decided to do. And now it is time for uh, my Blue Jays talk. Uh, for any of our listeners who are big Blue Jays fans, uh, I, I'm a little bit jealous of you because I wish I could say I was a primetime Blue Jays fan, but uh, unfortunately and yet unfortunately, I am uh, still with Detroit. However, go Tigers. Um, go Tigers. 
Um, but I do want to mention, I, I got to do a little bit of it last uh, episode, but I want to give it a little bit more depth of why I think the Blue Jays are going to make the uh, playoffs this year. I think they will be, I think it'll be a wild card uh, birth to them. I don't think they're going to take the division. I think Tampa's going to do that. They've been dominant this year, especially uh, more recently. Uh, they've you know, killed Boston in the last two series uh, playing against them. Uh, and I think they're going to take this uh, series pretty easy or take the, take their division pretty uh, easily. Excuse me. Now, for Toronto, though, they are currently four and a half games back from a wild card spot. The one team above them uh, that isn't currently in a wild card slot is the New York Yankees, uh, who are two games back, which means the Yankees are two games, two and a half games ahead of the Toronto for a wild card spot. Now, it really comes down to, at least for me, it comes down to division play. The Blue Jays are six and six against the Yankees this year and have seven games left against the Yankees. The Red Sox, they're 9-10 and 10 against the Red Sox, but they don't play the Red Sox at all um, the rest of the year. Uh, they currently have uh, a team batting average of 265, which is second in Major League Baseball. Uh, their ERA, their team ERA, is a little bit further down there. Um, it's 12th with a 3.88, so not terrible, but obviously not, uh, not stellar compared to other uh, teams in the league. Um, they have two. They have a home and the home series against the Tigers uh, to finish out August. Um, they play the Yankees in a four-game away series, followed by a four-game away series in Baltimore. Um, those games coming. Uh, let me see. It is September sixth through September twelfth. Uh, they will have four games against the Yankees, followed by four games against the Orioles. Those eight games will be. Um, kind of the telling games for the Blue Jays. I think if they can get out of that series with four or more wins, they will take a wild card spot. Um, I think the addition of Berrios uh, at the trade deadline was huge. However, one thing that concerned me, and this doesn't have too much to do with the playoffs, but it has more to do with further years, is they traded two of, if not their two best prospects, in Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson. But... um. I see a young energy in Toronto uh, and just an energy in general that we haven't seen since, uh, you know, the Jose Bautista, Edwin Encarnacion and Josh Donaldson days. And uh, I think this is, again, this is like, it's like with the Browns where I think this is their year to take it. And I think the only people that can stop them so far are themselves. Uh, it'll really come down to, as it normally does with playoff uh, and pennant races, it will come down to September ball uh, when we see a lot of division play. Uh, they also do have uh, two series against the Twins left, who are currently uh, one of the worst teams in baseball, and I think that'll help them a lot. Uh, and so I think they have their schedule uh, the rest of the year. I think will give them room to room to grow. Uh, they have two games against the Nationals uh, in Washington uh, coming up uh, the 17th and 18th, followed by a three-game series with the Tigers four-game series with the Red Sox, three-game series in Detroit, and then they get into division play with the Orioles. And so I think we're going to see a lot of dominance out of this Blue Jays team, and I, I do think that all they literally have to do is have it an above average or above a winning record in these seven games with the Yankees, and they will be in a wild-card spot. Uh, and yes, as always, I'm normally terrible with predicting things, but I think I actually have 
the statistics are leaning my way this time, which I love. Um, and I think this is a young team that I don't think is ready for a World Series, but I think this is their year that they're going to show that they are contenders in a very contentious division. Uh, all year in baseball, it has been the AL East versus the NL West. Uh, obviously, the AL East with the Rays, uh, the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays, and over the NL West, the big three being the Padres, Dodgers, and Giants. Uh, I do think the ALS is the more dominant division in terms of not only do they have four very competitive teams, but an overall firepower. I think this is going to be an American league. I think whatever team represents the, uh, the AL East is going to take that, uh, take that division most likely or take the world series and most likely be the race to take the division um, who obviously made a world series appearance last year. Um, but this is a time for young teams. Uh, obviously we saw the Yankees go and get a lot of different, Older names like Anthony Rizzo, Joey Gallo, who aren't necessarily old, but they're you know they're veterans by now. Um, and we see a very young team with the Rays and the Blue Jays, and I think uh, the young talent's going to show out. And again, uh, like I said with the Browns, if anybody disagrees with me, go comment on our Instagram below, uh, tag me at Alex Diamond, or tag any of us, or tag Great Lakes, uh, Great Takes from the Great Lakes, and we can have that discussion for sure. But I think this is the Blue Jays' year to take to at least get to the playoffs we haven't seen much dominant baseball out of the blue jays the past couple years so i think like with the browns this is their time to take it speaking of the browns we actually have just started to dabble in some preseason scores which brings us right into midwest minute uh in the nfl we have uh, just a little quick run through. Bills beat the Lions sixteen to five, or sixteen to fifteen, rather. Uh, Bears beat the Dolphins five, twenty to five 15. points in an NFL game is that's pretty impressive. <laughs> it's possible if if anyone it's can possible. do it, the Lions can do it. This is true. This it's is the, very it's true. the little wins. It's the little victories that count. Uh, Browns beat the Jaguars twenty three thirteen. Bengals beat the Bucks nineteen fourteen. And Luke's Colts got a dub over the Panthers, 21-18. Um, we'll start with that Lions game. Jared Goff actually settled in and played, played pretty well, which, to be honest with you, I think is just about what we're going to get this season. Well, yeah, had a pretty good game. Yeah, he was uh, he was 7 for 9 with 56 total yards. Um, so, obviously, uh, with as you see with most teams, uh, starting quarterbacks are not getting the entire game. Uh, we did see his backups, David Blow and Tim Boyle, uh, who also looked fairly solid. David uh, Blau, baby. David Blau. Love us uh, some David Blau. Yes, sir. Purdue you boy. Know, you know, he beat OSU with Purdue. Good old Purdue, baby. This is true. This mm-hmm. is true. Um, we did get to see Jamal Williams, uh, Jamar Jefferson, uh, and kind of locking down the running back core. Um, a lot of receiving statistics. I'm looking at it now. Uh, there are a lot of names on this list. It seems like they really did a good job of spreading the ball around. Um, some notable names being Tyrell Williams, who was uh, had two catches for 30 yards. Um, Geronimo Allison also had two catches, but for 17 yards. Tom Kennedy led the team in receiving with four receptions for 46 yards. Um, and so I think they did a good job of spreading the ball around, especially to to their young guys or their new guys for that matter. Um, I think we've kind of predict, we've all kind of agreed that this is going to be a very low year for the Lions, but um, it's good to see that they're able to get their uh, young guys playing time. Yeah, and Panay looked good. They're obviously their first round draft pick. 
I mean, everybody knew he was going to be raw coming in. That was the biggest question mark was how, you know, how NFL ready is he going to be? But he looked really good, especially against the run game. We obviously knew he was going to be a mauler in the run game, just destroying people in his path. If he gets his pass projection set up, I think he, they're going to have a great tackle duo, duo with Taylor Decker on the other side. It's going to be, they, you know, they've got it set up for the next five to ten years. It's just unsuitable to figure out the pass protection, but promising signs, that's for sure. Yeah, and, uh, and rolling it right in, I do have to mention, uh, I don't know how much I've talked about it on the podcast, but I know in general, uh, especially with the boys in my uh, fantasy football league, we've talked about Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. Uh, we got to see them for the first time against the Browns. Um, and I know we didn't list it, but Zach Wilson did make his uh, preseason debut with the Jets. Um, I know he played pretty well. We got to see, again, an Ohio State guy. He's become the Bears quarterback, and he played pretty well. Kind of just all three dooming words, but um, I can't we say really that he didn't it. play well. It, not too much, but um, no, Justin <laughs> Wilson, in uh, to be extremely objective, played very well in his preseason debut. I think um, he was a steal for them as low as they got him. I don't think that too many teams were looking for a quarterback to, around that area, but I think the Bears got what could be their next franchise quarterback. Uh, he can run. He can throw. We saw him dominate at Ohio State uh, after transferring from Georgia, and I think that I think that game was definitely a great start for the rookie. Yeah, I would not be surprised at all if he took the starting spot from Andy Dalton pretty soon, if not by week one. I think he looks great. He fits in well with that system, and I just think, I mean, we've always known how good Ohio State players can be once they come into the league just because of Urban Meyer and how well he sets them up for the pro level. And I think we're going to see it again with Justin Fields. He just, he looks ready. He just, he always has a knack of just finding the right places and the right, the right plays to make. It it really is wild that Nagy is still rolling with Andy Dalton as their week one starter. I, you know, you know, I'm not the, uh, not the biggest OSU fan out there, but Justin Fields is a talent for sure. And I, I like Andy Dalton actually, but he's not, um, better than Justin Fields? I don't know if there's another way yeah, to say that. I think that's, no, I think that's a better way to say it. I think not only is Justin Fields, I think, much more mobile, uh, but I think uh, I think he's just proven himself to be more, I think he's a all-around better quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I think Andy Dalton has over Fields right now is obviously the experience in the NFL, but I think that's actually perfect for Fields because he has someone to learn from. And fair, so... Fair. Um, no, but it was uh, it was definitely good for Bears fans, I'm sure, to see that. Uh, a lot of that's really – it's like with Summer League. That's what our preseason is for, is to see a lot of those guys uh, get their first snaps um, all around. And so um, it just it gets me more excited for the NFL to come up quick. As you mentioned, over in Summer League, um, Midwest teams did – I don't know. Not great, but it's the summer league. It's it's more about the individual um, kind of accolades and statistics than it is really about the teams. Uh, the Pistons finished, I guess, now three and two. They did literally mid-recording uh, finish up their final game um, of the summer league. Everyone's guaranteed that fifth game with all four. They play the four in a row, um, of course, and then they get 
a, a fifth one kind of matched up based on their record. Uh, but we took out the Magic in our fifth game. The Bucks were one and four. Didn't really do, of course, a whole lot in the draft. So it kind of makes sense that they have the mediocre summer league team. Uh, the Pacers, three and two, led by, of course, Duarte. You got any thoughts on them, Luke? Well, I mean, you're talking about individual like statistics and Isaiah Jackson, our 20, number twenty uh, second pick, just had tied the uh, summer league uh, high in blocks with seven in one game, and he looks really good. I really like his game. I'm really hoping that I think he and Sabonis together are a perfect duo, and I'm really hoping that means Miles Turner's on the way. I know we've talked about it, but I really hope Turner's on the way out soon, just because I think Jackson and Sabonis is such so much of a better fit, especially rebounding wise. Uh, Jackson averaged, I think, at least eight rebounds, if not more, uh, per game. And he just looks really good. He's got a knack for finding the ball. He's a great lob threat, really good defensively. And I think he and Sabonis would be a perfect complement. And he looks NBA-ready, which is really nice to see from, you know, a lower first-round guy. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see the Pacers this year. I, I feel like this is now an every-episode thing. When is Miles Turner going to not be a pacer because i feel like it should have happened by now because at this point i guess you're waiting for the deadline and i guess he's he's playing for that trade you know he knows he's going to get traded so i guess he's kind of playing to increase his trade value but basically at this point you're getting pretty close to starting your regular season with the twin towers still on that roster i don't know if that's the best idea if i'm being honest with you i feel like one of them has to go and i don't think you want to trade a guy like sabonis no absolutely not and i think the the tough thing is i think if danny ainge was still with boston i think turner would be gone and in boston by now but with brad stevens taking you know danny ainge's job i think it's just not like danny ainge has always wanted a player like turner and they needed senators last year and the, Thorn- the Hornets were always rumored to be interested in Turner, but they got Kai Jones in the draft, and I don't think they're going to get another guy. I don't think they're going to go for Turner. I wouldn't. I don't know. It's tough to see where he could end up. I wouldn't be stunned if he ended up on somewhere like the Mavericks. I think that kind of that team kind of makes sense. Playing him and Porzingis, obviously, it's a massive lineup with two. You know, Turner's close to seven foot. Porzingis is seven foot three, but they're both shooters. They could really surround. Uh, Doncic really well, give him a lot of spacing for him to operate in the mid-range where he really likes to, you know, find great passes, find open shots. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that, but the question is, you know, who do they send back to make that contract work? And I honestly don't know. Maybe it's, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith or something like that, which I wouldn't complain about. He wouldn't be a terrible bench option, but I think at this point it's probably more for draft picks. You know, we probably get two seconds or something like that, which... I mean, the Pacers have always been known to take two, you know, a couple of second rounders and move them up. That's what they did to get Isaiah Jackson. So hopefully Turner's on the way out, but I wouldn't be surprised if he stuck around and hopefully he got moved to the trade deadline. And now it is time for our weekly uh, recap of our Midwest baseball standings. You guessed it. The White Sox are still on top of the AL Central uh, with a 68 and 50 record. Uh, they're 5 and 5 in the last 10, but on a two game losing streak. Uh, the Cleveland Indians are currently in second place uh, with a 57 and 59 overall record. Uh, they're also five and five for the last 10. 
uh, with a one-game winning streak, that game being their Sunday victory over the Detroit Tigers, who are in third place but one game back of uh, second place. Uh, they're 6-4 in their last 10, but dropping that uh, last game on Sunday against Cleveland uh, gives them a one-game losing streak. Uh, and then moving down, we have the Minnesota Twins, uh, who are 52-66. and 66. However, they are on a 7-3 and three streak in their last 10 games and on a two-game winning streak. Uh, and then bottoming out the AL Central, we have the Kansas City Royals, who are 49-67. and 67. Uh, They are 3-7 and seven in their last 10 and on a four-game losing streak. Uh, and then rolling into National League Midwest play, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers are running away with the NL Central. Uh, they are 72-47, and 7-3 uh, in their last 10 games. And on a two-game winning streak, uh, they are eight games ahead of the second-place Cincinnati Reds. Where 64 and 55, uh, they're eight games back of first place, as I just mentioned. Uh, they're six and four in the last ten with a one-game winning streak. Uh, my favorite type of winning streak. Thank you, Christian. Um, the St. Louis Cardinals are in third place with a 61 and 56 overall record. Uh, they're ten games back of first place, but they're eight and two in the last ten and on a six-game winning streak. So we're looking out. We're looking forward to hopefully uh, a late playoff push out of the Cardinals, uh, and then. The Chicago Cubs, uh, 52 and 68. Uh, they're 20 and a half games back at first place. On a, they're zero and 10 in the last 10 games, and are on an 11 game losing streak. So uh, not looking good on the north side of Chicago. Um, and in last place in the NL Central, we have the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, who are one and nine in the last 10. They're on a two game losing streak. Uh, they are 42 and 76, and 29 and a half games back of first place uh on that note let's roll right into michigan madness yeah so we've already talked about the pistons summer league and Cade, obviously and i was just interested in christian's thoughts but honestly the reason i kept him off the all rookie first team was i thought he was doing exactly what he should be doing i think you know we knew how good he was going to be he wasn't doing anything like he's doing special stuff he's a great nba talent and he's going to be very good but he wasn't doing anything that we weren't expecting. He was living up to what we thought he was going to do. Um, and I think the biggest thing that really showed out was his leadership already in his first year. Like He hasn't even started his first year yet, but he looks like the true leader that the Pistons really need. And I think even in that first game where obviously he didn't get those 23 points that Christian predicted, but he, showed up, like he let Killian Hayes go out there and get his own shot. And I think it showed a lot of maturity that Cade already has obviously you know he has a he has a child you know a two-year-old child I think that really helped him mature a lot and I think Oklahoma State also helped him as well but he looks like a true leader and I think he's gonna be really good with this team this team's gonna be a lot of fun to watch and he just has a knack for finding the right plays at the right time the one thing that's not really a question like not really a concern but like one thing we kind of knew going in was his attacking in the paint he just isn't great at drawing fouls yet but other than that he looks good I think the one thing he's really going to develop is just getting into the paint more and getting more of his foul shots because that's where we see good players go to great players Doncic, Harden, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi, any of the staff obviously any of those great players really you know they average you know eight to twelve free throw attempts per game and I think that's going to be one big thing for Cade obviously it might not happen this year but I think in the future for him to really develop more is just to get into that paint and get those foul shots he also didn't score 23 points in his first game. Are you sure? I'll, you I'll think I would have forgotten by now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, hey, 
I think other than that, uh, I mean, Christian will take it a lot better than I was, but I think he's he looked pretty pretty good. Other than that first game, I think unfortunately he couldn't get you to 23, but I think it's safe to say that he has proven himself that he is worthy of that number one choice. I mean, you guys hit the nail on the head. He's doing everything right. All the intangibles are great. They, I think it was interesting, Dwayne, obviously on the broadcast, they had Dwayne Casey come in and they were like, oh, how do you feel about having him as the number one thing? You know, all the like standard, like, you know, hype up Cade kind of questions. Um, it feels weird to be on the receiving end of the ESPN hype instead of complaining about it uh, for other players. But I mean, Wayne Casey dropped an interesting nugget that uh, when they asked about the whole ball handling thing, which I've talked about a lot, Killian and Cade both being on the floor, he interestingly enough said that uh, someone asked, oh, who's going to be the primary ball handler going into the season? And he goes, oh, both of them will be. Both of them will start and both of them will be the primary ball handlers. And basically they're going to trade off. I think one of them, I, I'll rephrase that. I hope one of them is clearly handling the ball more. Um, you know, the one that was picked number one overall. But he really is playing just so well and doing all the intangibles, grabbing boards, um, you know, hyping up his guys off the bench. I think, I think it's great. I think he's a great addition. All right, well, I'm sure Cade is going to dominate our Pistons talk over the next couple months, but uh, moving aside from Pistons just a little bit, Miguel Cabrera is one home run away from 500. Uh, for those of you who don't know, although if you're a Tigers fan, I don't know how you don't know that. Um, Saturday night in Detroit uh, was the largest crowd at, at a, in Comerica Park in, I think, just over two years with, uh, I think it was about around 32,000 total fans. Love to see the energy in Detroit. Um, I think we all kind of knew that uh, if there was that energy, that for whatever reason, knowing Detroit sports, Miguel Cabrera just wasn't going to hit his 500 home run in front of everybody. But I'm sure it will come in the next month or two. Hopefully, I don't want to jinx it, but I think it will come in the next month or two. Um, obviously, the Tigers are 11 games back from first place, so I don't think we're going to see uh, any playoff uh, runs from the Tigers this year, but just today uh, the Tigers called up Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson to AAA Toledo. Um, AJ Hinch has already said multiple times that we will not see Green or Torkelson in a major league uniform this season, which I'm okay with. If he thinks they need more time to develop, I'm all for it. Um, it's just nice seeing energy in uh, Comerica Park again. Uh, obviously, they just got blown out by the Indians, but I think we're headed in the right direction for sure, um, which is great. Uh, we're doing a lot better than we were four months ago. Uh, I think A.J. Hinch has gotten us to a good place. Um, and I think now I think the Tigers fans and the Tigers front office is now just looking forward to some big spending this offseason. I know uh, Chris Illich, uh, Al Avila have both hinted towards uh, looking to spend big this offseason. Uh, and obviously a big name is Carlos Correa. Um, who will be a free agent shortstop this year. He could be the centerpiece to take uh, to take the Tigers where they want to go. Um, they will obviously, for those of you who uh, for those of you who do know, face the Angels in a three-game home series uh, starting tomorrow at 7:10. 
Um, so I do kind of hope that we lose a decent amount because I don't want us to have, I think it'd be nice to have another top pick kind of to solidify everything. Um, so I do hope that we don't completely, you know, I do hope this is actually a time that I do hope we don't finish over 500 because it would be nice to have another, you know, top 15, whatever pick this uh, in next year's draft uh, to add to our, you know, our farm system. And so it's nice to see him hitting that spot in his career. Part of me hopes he retires soon, uh, but part of me also says you can't really tell a guy to retire, to retire soon that has been one of the biggest names in baseball and probably the biggest name besides, in my opinion, Al K-Line and Tigers hitters uh, in the franchise's history. So it's kind of tough to tell him, like, dude, retire because he's been so much to that team. Uh, I hope he – I don't know that he'll hit his 3,000th hit this season, uh, but I am pretty sure that he'll hit his 500th home run. I'm pretty sure he has 2,951 hits. I don't know that he's going to get 49 hits uh, by the end of the season, but I I am confident that he'll get number 500 this year uh, unless something drastic happens or he blows out his ACL, which I know we all hope does not happen. But it is, like I said, it's just nice to see energy in Comerica Park again. I think we're getting back to some winning ways. I will say, I think it started with the, uh, the Pistons lottery. Uh, I think that was the start of everything going back up. I know Christian's giving me the finger gun here because he loves to hear it. But um, things are actually looking up right now for Detroit sports, and I know we all could – I think we could all be more for it. Um, we're just looking forward to Red Wings playing in uh, coming up in the fall. We have the Lions preseason coming up as well. And so a lot to look forward to from uh, for Detroit sports, but I think that wraps up Michigan Madness. It, it really is wild that we're talking about Pistons and Tigers and Red Wings. Like, People want to come to Detroit like, oh, we're going to spend big money this offseason is not much easier said than done. Like players actually have to want to come to what is kind of a smaller market. And in the last decade has not won anything. It's kind of nice to see us kind of on the upswing. Uh, But that is going to do it for episode nine of Great Takes from the Great Lakes. Um, You can, of course, find Tunnel Vision uh, Sports at Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at underscore TV sports and Facebook and LinkedIn at just tunnel vision sports uh, on the web. Of course, www.tvsportsmag.com. And for like the 50th time, if you aren't following Instagram, if you're just scrolling through baseless content. You'll give the Instagram. A there's, there's nothing on Instagram better than great takes from the great lakes. Like up those reels and we will see you guys next week.